Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week. Thank you for joining us. I really do appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. And I think you're being fed by the things that we're sharing. We've been doing a series on the book of Judges, and I trust you're being blessed by this series. That's truly, truly blessed my heart as I've unpacked this, and the more I dig in it, the more I'm finding treasures within it. It just keeps on expanding for me. Uh, let me just ask you something, though, at the very beginning of this program before we go into this teaching to, if you're watching us, uh, please let us know where you're watching from. We are about to negotiate the contracts for the different networks that we want to remain on. And I want to know where you're listening from, where we can be good stewards of what we're spending. If you're watching also from cable or a satellite dish, please let us know that because we there are certain networks that are only on uh, direct and some that are only on cable. And, and so in other words, we need to know where you're watching from. If you're watching us from our uh, YouTube channel, please let us know that as well, or you're using the apps that are on your Roku stick. Uh, you know, you can watch us uh, via those streams. But uh, if you're watching, please uh, take a moment to write to us at info at com, or you can go to my website, and there's a link there, and let us know where you're watching from. We're not going to try to use that to solicit funds from you, but we if you'd like to give a gift while you're there, it's very simple and easy to do. There's a place where you can give through our PayPal portal there. But I'm really just interested in knowing where you are hearing us from or, you know, what's amazing to me is the people that don't like you, uh, they write you quickly, but the people who love you don't ever hardly write. So we just need to hear from you to know where you are hearing from so we can do some good things and be good stewards. Uh, get in the Word today. We are teaching from the book of Judges. Probably pretty rare to hear anybody teach grace or finish work from the book of Judges. But it is a powerful book, packed full of realities of what is ours. And you say, well, how is that? Let me tell you how this revelation began to come to me. Once again, every book of the Bible, and like I said, if you'd like and you've missed any of these series, you can go back to my YouTube channel and watch them. They are archived there for your convenience. You can watch them and go back and say, hey, I want to see that again. Well, you can do that on our YouTube channel. But uh, every book of the Bible, the key is probably somewhere near the door. Just like I said, Joshua opens by saying, now Moses, my servant, is dead. Arise now, Joshua, and take the people into the promised land. Moses is a picture of law because Moses gave you the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Joshua is a picture of Jesus. The Hebrew name Joshua is Yeshua. Jesus' name in Hebrew is Yeshua. So Joshua, the book of Joshua, these are not accidental stuff. The book of Joshua is a powerful picture of moving from law to grace, and it's about coming out of Egypt and going into the promised land. It's about leaving a desert diet to eating from the fruit of the land. But the book of Judges opens by saying, now after the death of Joshua. So you say, well, what, how, how's, that, how's that become a key? Because when I think about 
Joshua, again, Yeshua, I'm thinking of it like this now, after the death of Yeshua. Now, after the death of Jesus. So what happened after the death of Jesus in the New Testament? He distributes all authority of the kingdom to 12 apostles, and he says to them, you will sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So Jesus, after his death in the New Testament, delivers the goods to 12 apostles. In the book of Judges, after the death of Yeshua, he raises up 12 judges. These 12 judges all do something in the visible realm that's a picture of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And I've already showed you Ehud, who had a two-edged dagger, and that speaks of the sharp two-edged sword in Hebrews 4, for the word of God is quick and is powerful, then is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder between soul and spirit. It's a discerner of the thought and the uh, intent of the heart. And what Ehud does is he thrusts that two-edged sword into the belly of Eglon, who the Bible said was a very fat man. It speaks to me of thrusting it into an obese religious system or the excesses of flesh that are in our lives. And the word that flows from rest, he plunged that in until the dirt came out. I'm convinced that the gospel of grace does not give us a license to sin. It empowers us not to. Titus says this, For the grace of God hath appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness. So grace is a teacher, and it teaches us to deny ungodliness. So the reality of it is, is even as that two-edged dagger was thrust in, what happens is the word that flows from rest, we shared this with you in a prior segment, so I'm not going to take a long time on it except to review a little bit. The word that flows from rest reveals the thought and the intent of the heart. So when you start preaching grace and people start acting crazy, it's, it's not because grace did that. It's because it was already in their heart, and what's happening is the two-edged sword is revealing the dirt till it comes out. Because the only climate that can really produce real transformation is the climate of freedom under grace, because law will conform you and it will bring behavior modifications. But grace will transform you. Law conforms, grace transforms. What's Romans 12 say? Be not conformed, but be ye transformed. So a lot of people have been conformed, but they've not been transformed. And they are miserable, and they hide behind fake facades. But when this two-edged sword that flows from rest comes in, it opens up those areas where the dirt can come out. We talked about Othniel, the younger brother of of. Uh, Joshua. And we talked about Shamgar last week. I want to pick up with Shamgar a little bit this week again because he's another judge. Every one of these judges do something in the visible realm that's a picture of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And, and it says it after, in verse 31, it says, after him was Shamgar. This is Judges chapter 3, verse 31. It says, after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, who killed 600 men of the Philistines with an ox goad. And then you can go on over into chapter 5, and it mentions him again. It says that in the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted, and the travelers walked along the byways, and village life ceased in Israel. Now, what I want you to see is that Shamgar is a picture to me of not a military strategist, but a farmer. These are, un, these are just ordinary people do, do extraordinary things 
with unusual weapons. Shamgar's going to use an ox goat. Jael's going to use a nail. Uh, Samson is going to use the jawbone of an ass. Gideon is going to use a pitcher and a candle and a trumpet. In other words, these are men, if you read the stories of judges that are flawed with human weakness, Gideon was a coward. Samson had woman problems. I mean, there, there, there are issues in this book. I don't know if that helps you or not, but that lets me see God uses ordinary people. And something I've learned over 44 years of full-time traveling ministry is all of us are broken in some way or the other, and we need God to do some stuff in our lives. But the book of Judges is about how they were willing to live with some things that they didn't drive out, and they became thorns in their side. So this is about executing a judgment written, not like calling down fire from heaven, but executing what was exacted in the finished work of Jesus when he said, I will draw all judgment into myself on the cross. It is enforcing what he exacted because the judgment in that case is now in our favor. We've been judged to be righteous. We've been judged to be healed. We've been judged the righteousness of God. So when we execute what was exacted for us in his redemptive work, we can walk in healing. We can walk in prosperity. We can walk in freedom from sin, sickness, poverty, and death. We can walk free from that. So when Shamgar comes on the scene, the two things it's said about him, I love his name, Shamgar. It almost sounds like this is one bad dude. He comes on the scene, and the highways were deserted. The travelers walked along the byways, and the village life ceased. I think this is relevant for the time we're in. As I've traveled, especially this year, this is 2023, I have noticed, man, that the, the attendance, the local church has become, I think we got so used to sitting on a couch during COVID that a lot of people have not returned. And it's almost like, I don't know how you feel about it, but I need community, not just watching something on a camera. And I appreciate the different tools that we can use to learn and stuff, but I really believe that there needs to be village life. There needs to be community. There needs to be community for our children. I watched this week as we just finished our international conference, and I watched my grandchildren who couldn't hardly wait to get to church and get up in front when the music would start, especially my youngest one, man. She just wanted to dance and worship and praise God. She just loves coming into the house of God. And just the whole sense of community that was in this international conference when people just felt like they left there being part of a family that was loved. See, I think we need that interaction because what we do is we hide behind a keyboard on a social media platform and we do our uh, public relations campaigns. And we try to get the right cam camera angle. And this is what we want people to believe. But I want, I, I'm telling you, there's a place where God wants to bring village life. I believe strongly in the local church, and I know it's hard sometimes. I'm not trying to be legalistic about this because I know there's some places I wouldn't go there either. But if you've got a good new covenant church preaching the gospel, it's good to get the village life. And I believe that the reason sometimes that the highways are unoccupied and village life ceased is because we have allowed some of these things from these enemies of the land to come in, even to our local churches. And God, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff that's good ideas that aren't God ideas. And I believe that sometimes we need to clear, clear the clutter 
out of the out of the high, out of the highway so the people don't have to go through the byways. I mean, it's like you've got to go down through the back road and over the side path and up through the woods even to get to Jesus sometimes because of all the clutter. So I sometimes think people wouldn't know a move of God if it hit them in the face. But truly, there's got to be a place where we can allow the highways to be opened again. Now, let me just tell you that I shared some of that last week, and I talked about how Shamgar spoke out of Isaiah, well, not Shamgar, but I told you out of Isaiah how God said, Behold, I do a new thing. I will even make a highway in the desert. And the highway was the new covenant. The, the new covenant was, I'm saying, let me say it like this. The new thing God was doing where he was going to make a highway in the desert and rivers to flow out of that was the new thing God was doing was the new covenant. I really think the thing that's going to draw people back to the villages, so to speak, or the local churches, is going to be plain declarations of the new covenant. When he said, I do a new thing, he's not talking about the newest revival down the pike. He's talking about he was going to bring about a new covenant with new tongues and new creation and new mercies and new, 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 everything is new. And so there's just something about that that is just difficult for people to understand. One day Shamgar got up and said, this is my road and I'm going to take the highway home. I'm going to open the highways. I'm going to have the guts to preach the new covenant until I can clean out the highways of all the uncircumcised Philistines that people can find their way back to a place where a river flows even in the desert. And dry places, there is a need for the river to flow from the house of God, not just entertainment, not just, and I'm not against any of the props that we use, but if there's not a river of God flowing that produces life, then all we've done is go to an entertainment venue. And the reality of it is people are looking for something because they're dry and they're thirsty. The one thing I wanted to share, though, as I talk about that, is that Shamgar began to say, this is my road, and he began to open the highways. But this, this verse really popped out at me in uh, Matthew chapter, uh, I'm sorry, not Matthew, but Luke chapter 13. I want to go there for a minute, Luke 13 and 22 through 28. Luke 13, let me get it quickly for you here. Luke chapter 13, verse number 22. Now, in, in this whole story, they're plotting to kill Jesus, and he starts to give some parables. And he is, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. And Jesus starts to give parables about, uh, you know, about different things of, uh, that, like there's a fig tree that didn't produce any fruit, and it's going to be cut down, thrown into the fire. Now, let me see if I can find it here. 22. I might be in the wrong place. Well, let me get, let me, let me go back and look at my notes again. I'm sorry. I apologize for, uh, I'm sorry. It's Luke 13. I, I, I went to Luke 22. Luke, Luke 13. 22. We're going to take the time to go there. Luke 13, 22. I went to 22. Luke 13, 22. And in this, Jesus is talking to them about a barren fig tree not producing fruit. He's talking about a religious uh, system that didn't produce fruit. And he curses that fig tree that didn't produce fruit. He's talking about a religious system that didn't produce fruit. 
an old covenant paradigm that just didn't get it done. And then he goes down and he starts talking about a mustard seed, that the kingdom of God's like a mustard seed that a man took and, and put in his garden and it grew and became a large tree and the birds of the air uh, lessened. Then he talked about the parable of the of the uh, leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of meal. He's talking about the kingdom coming to replace the law. I don't have time to unpack that. But I want to get to this one, verse 22. He said, went through the cities and villages teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. Then you shall begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where, know, know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of the teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets and the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. They will come from the east and the west and from the north and the south and will sit down at the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first and there are first who will be last. Now, I want you to see the context of this. But he's talking about, again, a highway, a straight and narrow. Now, before you think I'm talking about performance Christianity, in the context of this, he is talking to first century Jews who were the first, but they're about to be last. Because remember this, he tells them after inviting to a great feast, those who were invited did not come. Who he's talking about who did not come was the first ones to be invited, which were the Jews and the people he came to his own, his own received him not. And then he says, go out into, what did he say? The highways and the byways and compel them to come in. So here we have Shamgar, who in his days, the highways were unoccupied. In other words, I believe God was giving an invitation to the great supper. And he's saying to them here, listen, you're the fig tree that didn't produce any fruit under an old covenant religious paradigm. And you are the ones that were first that are going to be last. And you're going to, the door's going to be closed after a while, and you're going to knock, and there's going to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. He's not talking about somebody going to hell later. He's talking about these Jews being dismissed from the covenants of promise while God gathers in Gentiles, and even including believers that are Jewish. I'm not saying God excludes the Jews. I'm just talking about the ones who are not receiving this invitation. And he said that the straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. He didn't say straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to heaven. He said straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. I hear people say to me all the time, Dr. House, when I get my act together, I'm going to come to your church. Or, uh, and I tell them, if you get your act together, it's just an act. And so or they say this, boy, I just need to get back on the straight and narrow. And what they think that means is, I need to get my act together and get back on this religious treadmill of what I think the straight and narrow is. But see, Jesus was trying to tell them, you think that the way in is through your performance. And it's not through your performance because watch this. Jesus said to them uh, that the door would be shut and it would only be open to those who would hear his voice. Now see this verse in chapter 10 of the book of John. John chapter 10, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. 
But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for the strangers do not know the voice for they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. And then he said, then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Now, I wrote a whole book called The Great I Am. You ought to go get this off of Amazon or from our website because seven times in the gospel, Jesus says, I am. And he always says it in contrast to something from the old covenant. In other words, you thought the way into the sheepfold was through the performance based of an old covenant paradigm. But Jesus says to them in verse number one, verily I send to you, he said, truly, truly, I send to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way. The same is a thief and a robber. The thief of John 10 where he says, for the thief cometh not but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy, but I'm come that you might have life. The thief of John 10 is not the devil. The thief of John 10 is when you think there's some other way into the sheepfold than through the door. And the way into the sheepfold through the door is the only door there is, is Jesus, not Moses. So the straight and narrow that was leading to life and the few there be that were finding this way to life was old covenant religious Jews standing there who were going to be excluded and be left out of the supper because when he invited them, they did not come and enter in through the door or through the straight and narrow that leads to life. There was few in that first century of Jewish people who were finding this way that Jesus is offering when he says, I am, not Moses, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. For the thief cometh not, but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life. Now, what you put that in contrast with what he said, the strive to enter the straight gate, the straightest gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. But broad is the way, wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. The many there be that were headed for destruction in A.D. 70, especially because they were about to reject their Messiah and crucify the son of the owner of the vineyard. Jesus is cursing the fig tree. It's a symbol of that old religious system that Adam used to cover his nakedness in a garden. It's a symbol of something of natural Israel under the law that did not produce any kinds of fruit. All of those parables were leading up to him saying, Strive to enter in at the straight gate, for straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life. What Shamgar speaks to me of is somebody that's willing to get up and say, this is my road. I've heard his voice. I tell you, I can just tell you that the gospel has given me back my life. It has absolutely given me back my life. And the life then becomes the light. I can remember, my, now you probably heard me share this testimony before, but my mom used to testify, say, I was in the grocery store 
Man, I saw a saint of God that was in there, and she'd get that little Pentecostal jerk on her, you know, and she said, oh, hallelujah. And I knew she was a saint of God because of the glow on her face. And I'm, I was just a kid then, and I'm thinking, Mom, that, that's not a glow. That's a shine from no makeup. Now, before you get mad at me, if God told you not to wear makeup or to dress a certain way, then you obey God. But your holiness is not hanging in your closet. Your holiness comes and your righteousness comes as a gift of God. Because a lot of times, my mom said to this, this and she, I said, no, mom, you didn't know that she was a saint because of the glow on her face. You knew her because she was dressed like you. She looked like Granny from the Beverly Hillbillies, and you're thinking her life is a testimony to the people that are in the grocery store. Except the people in the grocery store are thinking, you mean your God makes you act like that? You mean your God makes you dress like that? You mean your God makes you, you know, live in misery like where you've lost your dignity and self-worth because you, you can't even look good? I don't think that's the life that becomes the light. I think the life that becomes the light is that God's people have the best marriages, the best kids, you know, the best peace, the best righteousness. I'm not talking about living in unholiness. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just talking about the life that becomes the light is not what we thought our standard of holiness used to be. It is when we manifest Jesus and probably our love one to another more so than our religious traditions and stuff that are fruitless, that keep us from the highways. They are side tracks and side paths that take us down through the brush and leave us wounded like we've been drugged through a bar patch. But one day, Shamgar got up and said, this is my road and I'm going to take the highway because the straight and narrow is not performance. The straight and narrow is Jesus, and He's the only door that leads to life. And He's saying that in John chapter 10. I tell you, I'm the way. I'm the door. As a matter of fact, this TV program is named after John 10, that you might have life. I came not just to give you a ticket to heaven after you've lived in 70 or 80 years of misery here on this planet, but I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And that's going to take some leadership from some shamgars who simply say, I am tired of the distractions and the byways and cat dancing around offending you over your religious ideas. I'm going to preach the gospel because it's going to save the next generation and the villages are going to be unoccupied, are going to be occupied once again. Remember in the days of Shamgar? The villages, the, the local churches were unoccupied. We've lost our young people because we refuse to change and get on this highway that Isaiah prophesied about that was a highway in the desert when God would do a new thing, that it would create rivers in the desert. It's the new covenant that brings about that kind of a highway and a road. And somebody's got to say, this is my road. And if you'll preach it, I believe the villages will be occupied again. Take your ox goad and clean up some things. Keep your garden. Well, we're out of time again. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to sow a seed into this ministry, we do need your help to stay on the air. And the easiest way to do that is simply to go to my website. And there's a, a place there where you can give via credit card or debit card through our PayPal portal. You can sign up to be a monthly partner there if you like, or you can give a one-time gift. You can also send a check or a money order to the address that will come on the screen, or you can call the number that's been on the screen, and someone will take your call. If you don't get an answer, leave a message, and we will return your call. Go to my YouTube channel. Subscribe to it because we upload this, and you can watch it again. God bless you. 
I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.